Okay, uh, Shutter Count, episode 5. Uh, welcome back. Uh, thank you uh, for listening to the show again. Uh, this is uh, Sean Hall back. Uh, last week, I had an episode without Steven. You were used to hearing uh, the both of us. Uh, I know we have uh, some people that are gotten used to our dynamic, but we're switching it up a little bit uh, this week. We're adding a third individual, and I'm going to give her an opportunity to introduce herself and also uh, to let you know where she can be found online. So, hey guys, um, my name is Samantha Shannon, and uh, a lot of people screw that up and just call me Shannon, which, you know, happens. And uh, you can find me on where? My business name is Samantha Annette Photography, and you can find me on Instagram. I'm at, at uh, CT underscore photographer or Samantha Annette Photography uh, on Facebook. And um, yeah, so. That's pretty much me. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Very, very good. Like, you know, Samantha, when uh, Stephen and I had our first um, episode, we had introduced ourselves and talked about how um, we both have day jobs and we also do photography on the side. So for you, you are a full-time photographer. I'm Can a full-time photographer. Just talk a yeah. little. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, as far as how that happened or about, yeah, as far as how you got into it, what do you like, what do you typically shoot and how long have you been shooting? Um, I've been shooting since 2012, um, with professional gear. Um, I would say I've been shooting professionally, uh, since 2013. Um, I was in a sales position for about 20 years on and off, uh, in different areas of sales and I was really burned out. I had a job that um, gave me a, a layoff for the winter season due to the fact that they were slow. And at that time, I decided um, that I would splurge a little, and I bought my first DSLR with pretty much all the savings I had in the bank, which at the time was probably not a good idea to do at all, but I did it anyway. And um, I started just, it was just like a stress reliever. I had a lot going on in my life at the time. And I had a little um, horse farm and I had a nice piece of property. So I would go out and hang out in the in the fields uh, behind my house and photograph the bugs and um, the uh, um, not fireflies, but uh, dragonflies and bees and things, birds that would let me get close enough to capture them. Um, and that's pretty awesome. much where it started. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, I, I just to spare my friends from having to post so much uh i started a facebook page purely for the fact of just i didn't want to be like annoying <laughs> to my friends so um i created a facebook page and started posting all my stuff and a friend asked me to photograph her daughter and i said absolutely not because i photograph bugs and birds and she offered to pay me a little measly 40 bucks for gas money to do it and i said okay <laughs> and i went and i did it and the pictures um came out a little shockingly good and um i just said okay that maybe this could be fun so i photographed all my family all my friends uh and their families for 40 bucks <laughs> pretty much for the whole season while i learned and i just decided i was either going to go back to my job in the spring or i was going to see about this photography thing and i just never went back to my job so it was uh, a great leap I had, you know, really no professional photography experience, but I treated it like a job when I was on my layoff. I basically spent 40 to 50 hours a week um, studying and learning uh, to get myself to that point. 
Awesome, awesome. So you guys have heard that we've added a daredevil uh, <laughs> to the group, and I just say that just because of the chance that you took. Um, but but that's that's awesome. That's that's really good. Um, I just want to ask uh, Stephen because you know um, Stephen, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, uh, on Instagram, uh, where I am mostly active. Uh, it is captured by Stephen underscore photography. And then um, on Facebook, Captured by Steven Photography, uh, on my website, CapturedbySteven.com. Uh, so, but mostly I'm, I'm very, very active on uh, Instagram. And uh, I also cannot be found at uh, Team Hall Photo on Instagram, uh, Team Hall Photo, uh, well, www.teamhallphoto.com. That's my website. And uh, I didn't want to, so yeah, I wanted to make sure that we got that in, fit that in. I had one more question um, for Sam because she talked about um, photographing bugs to start with. Animals, nature, uh, had been asked to shoot a portrait of someone's daughter and some images came out great. And so I'm going to assume today, Sam, that you love shooting portraits. Yes, uh, shockingly against everything that I thought I would actually land with. I did think that the natural progression for a photographer was weddings, and so I did start second shooting for some time and did photograph a few uh, solo weddings. Uh, but then when I discovered that you didn't have to be a wedding photographer to be a successful full-time photographer, I shifted my focus to purely portraits. So right now, I photograph um, families, kids, high school seniors. Um, I do... Um, like a women's glamour. And I also do um, personal branding for business, headshots and social media marketing pictures for businesses that need regular, like it's actually like a subscription program that I do for businesses to get regular reoccurring content for their social media applications. Okay. All right. And Stephen, what about you? What's your favorite form of photography? Well, mine is kind of similar to Samantha. I started with nature and uh, I, I think I fell in love more with landscape and I remember telling a friend I'm just going to focus on landscape that is that is what I'm going to do but then I found out you know I look at the reaction of people when I shot portraits and people you know on, on social media were leaning more towards portraiture so I started getting more into portraiture too and then um, I thought I thought wedding was the way to go too so I do. I. I mean, I do weddings, but it's very limited amount of weddings per year because of the my current circumstances. But I started doing more portraiture. Um, so I do family portraits. I do uh, business head. You know, business um, shots. You know, especially headshots, uh, maternity photos. Um, I'm yet to get to babies. Not yet. I'm. I'm not there yet. But uh, that's so do, hard um, and technical. Yes, it is very very difficult. I. I know the, the photos are so cute and you think it's easy, but once you try to get into it, it's very difficult. So I refuse to do um, newborn photography because <laughs> basically you're guaranteed to get peed on and I'm not cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I I have never been so very shortly. Maybe I might look at some of these uh, newborn uh, pictures that some photographers produce, and they look so they're awesome. I mean, they uh, the lighting is is just dreamy. The 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 baby just looks like you just want to like hold that you know that that newborn uh, in your in your hands. But 
having uh four kids i have four kids uh sam i don't know i think we might have talked about that before but um having you're four a brave kids. man i didn't know you had four i knew you had kids <laughs> i think it was just brought off that sean has kids but geez four good lord <laughs> yeah so having that many kids i um that i was not that um enthralled you know with the idea really you know of trying to shoot kids because i just knew you know this is not going to be an easy assignment you know, that, that would be something that's pretty hard. And I think it I would leave that to the um, the veteran, you know, that's used to taking baby photos. Um, but um, the reason why I'm asking you guys these questions, though, about like what sort of photography you like and uh, what do you want to shoot? Uh, I myself like uh, portrait photography and um, I would love to find out more about the, that glamour photography that you you were talking about a little bit earlier, earlier Sam. That's a lot uh, of fun. But the reason <clears throat> I'll say that again. It's just a lot. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I imagine it it would be. Um, I I just love I just love portraiture in, in all forms. Um, but I'm mentioning this because in all types of photography, even when C was talking about landscape photography, uh, the light is important. You know, the having that good light, recognizing a good light, and I mean that's what we're exposing for, right? The light that is there, and this episode is entitled good light and that's what we'll be talking about of course it's important for like any type of photography now when i was thinking about this episode i personally was thinking about the portrait uh when you know the photographer is shooting a person shooting a model whether it's graduation photos or even those baby photos um i was thinking about the portrait but i you know you guys are free to think beyond the portrait you know dog photography even if you want to talk about landscape um i I think that's fine uh, in in my my eyes and my bit of expertise, I was thinking about the light as it pertains to that. Um, and one of the things I was thinking about was when I first uh, picked up a, a camera. I know, um, Sam, you, you mentioned uh, you went out and you splurged and you bought some professional gear. Um, I went out and I spent on my first camera, but it wasn't, I wouldn't call it professional gear, but it was my first DSLR. It was a Nikon uh, D3200. Uh, but it was better than my Sony point and shoot. I just remember when I first picked up that camera, I expected that anything I pointed it at, because I was still very new to photography, I thought, hey, this camera is great. I can point it pretty much anywhere and at anything and produce great images. But that's not the case. Um, do, do you have a do you guys have a similar experience about like how, what you found out um, about that sort of light, the light that occurs naturally in your house, because this is where I began shooting uh, personally, um, what you needed to do to um, get better exposures. Uh, so, Sean, uh, yeah, when I remember when I also got my first DSLR, I was like, I heard so much about DSLRs and I thought, you know, it should get me the perfect uh, exposure each time. So, you know, I'll point it to something else and, you know, and then it will be underexposed and sometimes overexposed and I was just, you know, very disappointed. And then I started learning about uh, being able to shape light. You know, if you're a photographer, you have to be able to know how to use light to your advantage. If you can, if you can do that, it's, it's one of the best ways to separate yourself from other photographers. So I had to learn about um, how to use light. And then also it's not just about depending on say natural light, but also, the ability of your camera to say uh, give you more dynamic range you know the sensor capabilities of your camera and other things so um, those were some of the things I had to learn quickly so I'll be able to use light to my advantage what about you sir I'm curious though um, as as you before you answer 
Uh, did you have an aha moment? Because I know I did. And it's a short story I want to tell in regards to that. My aha moment with lighting? Yeah. Um, Did I have an aha? I, I've had so many aha moments. Um, I think that for me... I don't know that I really did have an aha moment specifically that stands out for me. Um, I, I, you know, I started out uh, being strictly natural light and um, I started seeing photographs that I really liked and I wanted to know how to get that look. And, you know, I realized that there was lighting involved. And so I started studying light and lighting and, um, you know, I've gone from, you know, thinking I needed extensive lighting setups to being a complete hack out in the field. <laughs> and I pretty much have become a, a one light shooter. But I mean, I have the battery packs and the strobes. And I mean, I used to really try and complicate my life. Um, but I found that with good modifiers and, you know, um, good angles, you can really make an image look really dynamic with pretty simple lighting setups. So um, I, I think, I don't know that I had an aha moment other than every time you go out to shoot, you're learning something new. So you have, I have lots of little aha moments um, and I'm not afraid to try stuff and fail. I think a lot of people have trouble with that, but um, I'm okay with things completely going wrong <laughs> because, <laughs> because then you're, hey, first of all, you'll never do it again. Um, and, you know, for me, I spent a lot of time studying retouching and editing. So in my mind, as horrible as this sounds, I know that if I screw up a shot, I can save it in post, <laughs> which is not the best thing to do. But, you know, it is what it is. So um, I do actually now I went from being an all natural light photographer to now I um, shoot with about 90% of my images now are hit with um, a speed light and a, and a modifier that I really like, the Westcott um, Rapid Box modifier and a speed light. Um, so, and I have an assistant, it's, all, it's off camera, uh, holding my light for me. And um, if you actually see my Instagram or my Facebook, I, I do a lot of behind the scenes shots. You can see some of the stuff. And even in my Instagram stories, you'll see me doing this setup. Um, but yeah, I don't think I had a specific light bulb. I just sort of fumbled my way through. You know, I've studied studied YouTube videos, read books, and then tried to implement it and didn't really get what I wanted and tried again, you know. So it's just sort of um, fumbling along the way. I mean, I agree. I understand I agree. that. I mean, I mean, nobody gets it. Uh, no photographer gets it right. I remember getting frustrated. You know, I got a, uh, a speed light and... I said, oh, I'm done. This this should get me the best photos. And I remember, you know, like flooding my subject with so much light and it looked horrible. And I was, and for a while, I, I, I stopped using flash. I'll never touch it. I'll never use flash for a long time because I, I just couldn't get it right. It was later on that I had to experiment. And, and like you said, you have to teach yourself, watch YouTube videos and read books. And finally, once I, I learned how to control the light, you know, then I, I had my you know, aha moments. I think that it's really easy to see something online and say, oh, that looks really easy. And then you get it in the field and you it's so hard. And then to not be discouraged because you feel like it looked so easy. Why can't I get this? But really nothing, you know, is super 
easy and and no matter how someone makes it look there is some some work involved so i think as long as as people are willing to stick with it um you know a lot of it becomes second nature i remember thinking when i first started you know the first thing i did and the best thing i ever did was i threw my camera in manual and I left it there and I didn't know what I was doing, but I just figured it out. I was like, oh, this button does this. Oh, it got brighter. Oh, this button does this. Oh, it got darker. So that's sort of my take with everything. I mean, I'll just, um, you know, even my flash, I use a manual flash. I don't use a TTL flash um, because I liked having control and I'm just so used to shooting that way now. I don't even know what I would do with a flash that tried to adjust for me. <laughs> uh oh, sounds like you, you have uh, control issues. Maybe, I mean, you know, it might be why I'm single and divorced. <laughs> no, actually, well, you know, actually I, I have to agree because I, I, I mean, everything I'm, with me, everything in photography now has to be manual. I, I don't, you know, my camera is in manual mode. My flash has to be, I don't like to TL. I just don't know what the camera is about to decide you know how much power is going to give and so i have to have it in manual mode and sometimes you know when you have things in manual mode it takes a while uh to get your your lights set up properly you know the amount of power but then it, once you once you get it right you know you just have to make little little tweaks here and there and 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 one thing i found uh, one of the mistakes i made when i started uh, trying to use light is that I was trying to imitate what others were doing. So I would go on YouTube, I'll see this photographer, put the light at this angle, and I'm like, okay, I have to do that. I have to keep it at this angle. That's how it's supposed to be. But I have learned that you do not have to do that. When it comes to light, you can use light to be creative, to do all kinds of things. So experiment, don't be afraid, try different things. You don't have to follow what a particular photographer is doing. Can yeah, I add something to, to, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Sam. I just want to say, because I don't want people listening to think that you have to be a manual. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being, you know, someone who likes shooting an aperture priority or shutter priority um, or li- or using TTL. I, um, I just, it's just a personal preference. And just because you use any of those modes doesn't mean that you're no less of a professional or that you, you know, it, it really is personal preference. And I just want to just, I just wanted to say that, that I don't want anyone thinking that because they're not in manual, that they're like failing in any capacity. And then also I want to add that I'm going to rein you flash junkies back in for a little bit. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Because I want to, I want to go back to, to the beginning. Right. Cause, cause Sam, you said it like when you started, um, you were mainly natural light. And I think that's just, I still enjoy um, natural light. Mostly what happens. Yeah. I still, yeah, but yeah, I, you know, but I like I, having I, that flash to pound to, you know, to pop, same. but I actually mix it with ambient. You really can't tell mine are, are flashed, but I do get what you're saying, but go ahead. See, I'm already getting okay. defensive. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> it's quite okay. Okay, defend your art, you know. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to start with the natural light. Um, I don't want to, you know, live here too long, but I didn't want to hop, you know, too much into the, the flash right away. I, I do definitely want to get back to it. Um, let me tell this this short story about my aha moment. So very much like you, uh, Sam and Steve, um, I did um, start off with my camera when I first got my DSLR. I just put in I put it in manual because I knew that I wanted to figure this thing out. Um, so when I got used to the the triangle, right, the ISO shutter um, shutter speed and aperture, when I got used to that triangle and got used to 
how to expose, you know, manually and what those different settings were doing, I still was not seeing that pop or I wasn't producing those images that, um, you know, Sam on, on an earlier episode, I was telling Steven that, you know, 500 PX was like my site to go to. And I was looking at all these Me like too. wonderful love images, it. Loved it. <laughs> you know, and I just was trying my best to see like, what can, can I produce something that approaches, approaches this? And actually one of the things that I did, um, again, I mentioned I had that D3200. Because, you know, you can get into this sort of, uh, um, what do they call it? Um, gear acquisition. Uh, I forget. I forget oh, yeah. Gas. Term, but gas. Gear acquisition right, gas, syndrome. Yeah, exactly. yep. Gear acquisition syndrome. You can get into that. And I did not want to be beholden to that. I wanted to um, produce great images with the gear that I had. And so what I would do is I'd go to 500px. I would do a search for Nikon D3200. And I would look at the photos and see if I can match it. I'm, I'm looking at it. If this photographer can produce something that I think is so beautiful, then I should at least be able to um, approach that with the camera that I have. And my aha moment came when I was uh, in a coffee shop. And the coffee shop was pretty dimly lit, but um, this was a shop that I frequented a lot. And I shot, you know, so many times in this coffee shop. The back door to the coffee shop happened to be open. There was an alleyway out that back door. And the sunlight, the sun was not all the way down, but it was dropping, right? So we were getting that golden light. There was a dog, and this is a very friendly coffee shop, very friendly to dogs. There was a dog that was uh, sitting on the floor beside uh, its owner. I approached her and I asked, can I take a picture of your dog? And of course she said yes. It just happened to be that the best um, space, because it's sort of a smaller shop, the best space for me to take a photo of this dog was to go out that back door and shoot into the shop. Uh, on that dog and the light behind me was streaming into that shot right on that dog. Took a picture of the shot. Of course, it looked pretty good at the back of the camera. A lot of times shots can tend to look pretty good on the back of a camera, smaller screen. Uh, they're showing you the JPEG preview, right? Brought that home, did a little bit of tweaks here and there. And to me, and you know, it, when I was looking at the shot, I thought, wow, I did it. I got it. Now, what was special, you know, about this shot from the other shots, what was the difference? Well, what I learned was, this is when, this was still early on for me, but I learned about the golden hour, the blue hour, the best time to shoot in the day. I also learned that the way that light was streaming in through that back door and the way it was hitting that dog, you know, just really exposed that dog beautifully. And when I took that picture in a post, it wasn't a whole lot I had to do to it, you know, to really make it stand out. Even at that time, I remember my wife looking at the shot. She was even like, you know, shocked to, you know, told me at that time, like, wow, I'm, I'm seeing your improvement. And what that taught me was, um, I think I'm a risk taker, right? And so I think what was happening with me a lot was I was looking at a scene and even if the light was not good, I was going to try to make it work. And this is before I put a flash on my camera. This is before I didn't even like popping that little pitiful flash that comes on a camera. So I wouldn't do that. But I would try and bring them back in post. And you can many times. It doesn't always work because I was still learning um, how to um, edit photos. But my aha moment was, wow, you really need to look around, find that window light, find that light where you are outside. If things are if light is bouncing off of a building, bouncing off of windows, just have a better eye for it. And that was the beginning for me of being able to find that natural light. Uh, yeah, Sean, I actually um, had a similar experience. In fact, if you go to my uh, website, I have a landscape photo. I think I showed it to you um, a 
couple of years ago. It was a I I took the, the same place. I took it at the golden hour, and I took it at the blue hour, and you know, people didn't believe me. They thought I, you know, like overly edited the photos. And I said, nope, this is, you know, I was I was learning that time. I was learning about natural light, and that's when I discovered about the golden hour and the blue hour. And so then I I started, you know planning because the thing with natural light too you can't just show up and expect to get the best results sometimes you know it involves planning you um you have to know the right time to be there to get that that, that light so i kept going to the same location different times and this is why i'm I, not a good landscape photographer i do not have that patience <laughs> it, it, it is it is very difficult i mean i i, I lost some weight i mean doing that because i i mean you hiking you are hiking and you are just waiting and and I kept pushing, you know, and, and and when the sun starts setting, I mean, you better, you know, be be quick. Otherwise, you lose the window of opportunity. So uh, I kept trying and finally I got the shot I want. But I mean, natural light, like you said, it takes a lot of patience and, and planning. Okay, so let, let's talk about this. So I have some things that I wanted to get into. Uh, we're talking about finding a uh, good light. Steven, you're saying it's good to now plan, right? If you're using natural light, think about the planning of the day. Um, what time of day you're going to want to shoot, no matter what you're shooting, even if you're shooting land, like a lot of portraits, um, sessions that I've had, I also plan it around that on golden hour or at least an hour or two before the golden hour. So I know leading into it, it'll be there for me. Um, but let's say that, uh, you happen to be shooting in the middle of the day, that sun is almost as high as it can be in the sky. Um, any tips for our photographers who do not have a flash? <laughs> I mean, if you don't have a flash, um, the best thing to do is to try and go somewhere that you've got some good shade opportunities. I mean, first of all, I'm assuming that you're talking about that we're being at, we're outside. Is that? That's right. Okay. So uh, anywhere that, that has some good shade and you just have to be careful that wherever you go, you're not working with that dappled shade. You know, sometimes you go under a tree and the shade is really broken up by all these little light specks. Um that can sometimes work, but you know, you think you're in shade, but maybe you've got this bright spot hitting someone's forehead. Um, so I would just say go somewhere, you know, I would not go to the beach at, you know, high noon, uh, and expect you're going to get good shots there unless, you know, the other, the other uh, option is, you know, you can put your F stop, you know, F 22, uh, and go with a you know a fast shutter speed, and you can just do like almost like a high key looking image and get that nice sky. But you're gonna have uh, you're gonna need reflectors to try and you know uh, lighten up those faces. So you may need a, an, an assistant to help with that. Um, so I mean you can you can work around not having light. You know reflectors, big reflectors. You can also uh, if you have an assistant or or a helper. You can have someone, uh, I've done this before in shoots, if the sun is really strong, I've had people hold the reflector over their head to block the sun and create fake shade uh, in places where I didn't really have true shade. But I, so first step would be, number one would be most ideal situation is to find a place with shade. If that's not an option, uh, I would uh, try to just increase your, shut, your shutter speed high enough to account for that that bright sky but you're going to need a reflector or you know third option is covering blocking the sun with a, a fairly large reflector that's my advice but you guys may have some different techniques or tips no i was i was thinking of the same thing um when it's you know broad daylight 
the last thing you want to do. I, I, I've, done, I've made that mistake. I remember I was taking a uh, a family uh, portrait uh, portraiture, and um, they there was this nice uh, building, an old building, and they really wanted to take a photo because they took some photos years ago, and they wanted to do like a comparison. Uh, and they had one little girl, and she just the light, the sun was just too much. She was squinting and. It was just too much on her. We we tried to use uh, have her wear shades, but it just didn't look good in the photo. So the best thing, like some some Mata was saying, is to go to a shade. Or what you can do sometimes too is you could have the your subjects uh, face the have their back face the sun. Uh, it it kind of creates a nice glow on you know like a, a backlit. And then um, use a, a reflector, but you, then you're gonna need an assistant to use that reflector to bounce that light. Uh, hopefully, not too much um, into their <laughs> to their face. But I mean, you you just have to get creative. Or sometimes you can have them have them where the sun is shining to the side of their body, and you may have to reflect on the other side. Um, so, but the best thing is to get them in shade, um, and then also if not, um, bring them indoor. And then probably use the window, um, you know, to to get some some lights from the window, and it, it it makes it look like you're using a strobe, but it's not really a strobe. So those are some of the little things I've I've learned with, uh, by you uh, with uh, trying to take a photo in broad daylight. Uh, but you actually, will sometimes. Oh, go ahead, Sam. Oh no no no! I, I thought you were finished. My apologies. I was just saying. I just thought of something else that I've done too. Uh, sometimes depending on so. I thought maybe we should tell people why that we don't want direct sun, but if it's straight up ahead above you, um, it creates really, really dark circles under the eyes like raccoon eyes and no one finds that attractive. So especially if you're trying to become a professional photographer and you want people to enjoy the images, giving them images where their eyes look like they're lost in the sockets is not appealing at all. So that's why you don't want direct overhead. Once the sun starts to move, you know, if the sun is, if you're late afternoon, you can actually put your subject facing the sun, you know, what the and to avoid the hard squinting, uh, what you can do is I sometimes will have my clients close their eyes and I'll give them a countdown. So I'll say, you know, open on three and I'll say three or open on one, three, two, one, open uh, so that I'm getting a, a non-squinted image and then they close their eyes again immediately. Um, so, uh, in those situations, you can get them nicely lit by the sun. You know, I would do a, a pretty, um, I would probably be at like maybe F10 somewhere there so to make sure that, um, you know, I can get my sky and everything in there. But, you know, you can have the, I, I shouldn't say that because I, I, it really depends on the situation. But if it's really bright out, you know, you want a high F stop. Uh, but you can absolutely have the sun hitting people. You just want to make sure that you're, making sure that they're not squinting their eyes and that countdown helps a lot yeah yeah that 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 countdown is, is such a good suggestion um it's 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 come handy for me on several occasions and um in in addition um uh, some some mentioned something about getting the sky and you know like your your background because sometimes you want the highlights to come in um, um so uh, sometimes you can use neutral density filters um and that can help, you know, that can do or help you to be able to get your, you know, maybe the clouds and the others. You know, if, if say your your F stop is, you know, if you are really dialing it and it's 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 not getting your background in, 
or the skies you might you can also use neutral density filter and that also tends to help uh, and neutral density filter if you don't know they are like shades for your lenses so they come in different um uh, different uh, stops like you know some of them can be darker some of them can be lighter so uh, you just have to know which one you have and uh, which one you need and then you can and, and they are nowadays they have the variable ones where you can adjust uh, and then you can see if it's if it's the um, one that you need you know Sam mentioned something earlier that I think is a good point um, to think about is that when you so if you are in a bright um, sunlight and happen to put someone in a shade and because she mentioned hey if you can go for that high key look uh, that's just something to keep in mind that your background uh, is going to be like a whole lot brighter so you might have to like you know play around your settings to control that as much as you can of course you might not have too much control over it but um, sometimes what I like to try to do personally is to um, shoot the subject a little bit darker than what I want them to be and then uh, so I can kind of save that sky a little bit and bring them up in post. Oh, absolutely. I do that. I do that uh, often as well. And then you guys also both mentioned a reflector. Now, I, you know, Sam, you mentioned you like uh, learning on the fly, making mistakes. Uh, I obviously have done a lot of that myself. <laughs> and so um, the reflector. So th this is when I just had a uh, this was like my first reflector and it wasn't like that cool five and one this is just like um it is one side i can't remember one side was golden i think the other side was silver i still have those right? cheap so reflectors were... i have like three of them <laughs> but you know the the problem on this day that i had <laughs> was that i really wish i had a just a white one Right, because oh, the yours sun wasn't was so a foreign intense. one. It was just silver or gold. Exactly. Oh, it, that's oh, it. Okay. Just silver or gold. The gross colors. That's what I mean. Yes, yes. I look now. I have now. I have like the five on one, but <laughs> but at the time, my first, my very first one was just silver or gold, and I could not find a side that would work because I had a graduate and her friend, and they wanted to take a portrait, and it had to be in front of this fountain, you know, and. So I wanted to, first of all, the sun was so intense and I did try the, the, um, three, two, one countdown, had them open their eyes. Um, but it was so intense. Sun was so intense that I wanted to take them to the other side and reflect that light back at them. But I'm telling you, I was melting them. Oh <laughs> gosh, this. they were dying. Yeah. Cause yes, they were dying. You know, it, it was, it was just too intense. You know, so that's something to, to think, to look out for, learn from our mistakes. Don't do that to your um, subjects. Please don't harm them. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and if I may, if I may interject, um, some, um, Samantha brought something to that um, I learned from a recent uh, anniversary shoot. If you go into the shades, especially where you have the leaves and the, you know, the branches, you just have to be careful. Like, you know, she, um, she mentioned about the making sure you don't have like some of the... Um, spots like shiny spots on the, the, the subject's face and sometimes you um you you can get away with it but especially where places where you have the leaves sometimes they can create this weird pattern on the person's body and you know or their face and it can kind of ruin your shot i did that with a couple uh, for the anniversary it was really hard and we just couldn't we had to just take this quick shot so i got them into this shade with you know uh, under a tree and the lights were coming through and it created this um, weird, you know, leaf pattern on their skin and, and their, on their faces. And I mean, the photo was okay, but 
then it just, you know, I mean, they were okay with it, but for me, it just wasn't <laughs> something that I like because it just had this weird chip. So just, you just have to be careful uh, and, and keep that in mind. Yeah, and I think with that, um, I've done that before as well, uh, where I got used to shooting in the shade, using the trees, and then um, when I'm in post, looking at these uh, the, the light patterns on a person's face and thinking, why didn't I see that? Um, I think a lot of times what this comes down to is, uh, at least I try and tell myself, slow down and look for details. You know, make sure you're not just looking over the overall scene, but um, pay attention to what's actually happening on this person's face. Now, it sounds easy to say, of course, I'd be able to see um, this break in the, the leaves and the sun hitting this person creating these uh, patterns. But like Steve said, Steve said he made that mistake. I know I've made that mistake before, Sam. I imagine that maybe that's how you learn because you've done that. Um, sure so, have. of course, it's the sum just like just to slow down, make sure that, you know, you're not doing these. You're, you're keeping in mind these simple tips. Hi, this is Sean, one of the hosts of Shutter Count. I hope you've been enjoying this episode on Good Light, where we're talking about how to find it. In the very next episode, we will get into talking about flash photography. This episode here was split into two, so episode five will continue into episode six. Hopefully you join us there and continue to enjoy the conversation.